no parent is prepared for this journey because we all get dragged into it or come into it with our habits and patterns, the mix of ones that are supportive and ones that aren't. And the ones that aren't, we can't afford to let them hold us back because that will be, in effect, holding our child back. How is it possible for a parent of a child with autism to become the superhero their child needs now? I'm Len. And I'm Cass. When our son was diagnosed with moderate to severe autism, we went all in. We spent over a decade learning everything we could on how we could transform to help our son thrive. And guess what? He's doing it. This year, he ran for class president. Each week on this podcast, we will be sharing the secrets needed for you to become the superhero your child needs. If you want to learn how to tap into your innate superpowers to help your child thrive, visit AutismParentingSecrets.com. Welcome to the show. This is Len. And today we are going to cover a single concept like we love to do with this podcast. We like to go deep on one key insight, key learning, or what we call a key secret. And today... I'm here just to dive deep into a concept that when I first heard it, I fought against it. I wrestled with it, didn't like it. I basically rejected it, but I've truly come to embrace it. And it was really a big aha for me. So I want to share just my own process because this might be something that's also relevant for you. So I want to just kind of paint that picture and go into this idea that how you do one thing is how you do everything. When I first heard this, it kind of initially made, yeah, it kind of made sense. Seems a little bit cliche, but when I dug deeper, I rejected it because I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm pretty good at adapting to situations and I can be different at work versus family and in different situations with different people. I feel like I'm pretty adaptable. And so I do think that how I operate can change from situation to situation. And that's definitely true to some extent. But the bigger key insight here is that how I show up, and when I talk about how I show up, the habits I have, my default way of operating, it's really part of my operate. It's truly my operating system. It's like your iPhone or your mobile device. It's got an operating system. It kind of governs how that device operates. There's rules, there's ways that it accomplishes the tasks that it's set out to do. So there is an operating system in effect, and we are all the same way. So we have an operating system. I know I do. And it's really not something that you can easily control in terms of switching on and off. It's just there. It just operates. It's the default. So When I think about that, the operating system, and with the secret today that how you do one thing is how you do everything, it's kind of a bold statement, but it is largely true because your default system is always operating. And to go against that system takes effort, takes being conscious of it, and it takes effort. So more often than not, I know the way I was operating was in a variety of situations, I brought the same habits and ways of dealing with things. It was, the more I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of do 
the same thing in pretty much all situations. So take something, for example, of showing up on time for an appointment or for a meeting. And there's obviously different people. Some people are always fashionably late. Some people show up way early. And just your way of showing up literally to be on time for an appointment or a meeting. If you do that at work, let's say, and you're somebody who shows up constantly, you know, last minute, maybe a few minutes into the meeting, then odds are you are going to do the same thing in your home life. You're going to do the same thing with anybody that you come into contact with. And it's the same thing with not just showing up on time, but using this example. Let's say you're going to a meeting for work. Are you somebody who habitually not only shows up on time or maybe late, but do you habitually ask questions when you don't understand something? Do you raise your hand? Because if you do consistently at work, well, you're more than likely to do that at home as well with your spouse, perhaps. You're more than likely to do that when you go to a doctor's office for a routine checkup or if you have an issue. How much you really ensure that you understand something and ask questions, you're going to do that in every facet. And I can go on and on about different situations where this is true, but the more I've looked at it, it's true across the board. And the point today is to just really highlight this one statement. How you do one thing is how you do everything, because what's happening with people who are listening to this podcast, and I'm sure you have a child who's facing some challenge, some diagnosis, and what's happened and the big shift, at least the way I looked at it, is when I was by myself responsible just for me, you know, even before I I got married and Cass and I um, formed our partnership, I only had to be accountable to myself. Any decision I made was for myself. And so if I had habits, some that served me and some that didn't, that was okay because I, I basically make the call as to what I'm comfortable with, how I want to operate in this life. And it was kind of something that was formed over years and decades. And I'm good. I was good with how I operated. I knew I wasn't perfect, but it was good enough for me. And big changes when you become a parent, and especially when you have a child who's facing some challenge that you want more than anything to help them with. Well, the way you're operating just isn't good enough. It may be good enough for you and how you want to maneuver in the world. But the big shift for me was that, oh no, my son was relying on me. He couldn't make the decisions for himself. He had major challenges. And then what took years for me to realize is that the way I was operating was not good enough. And that was something I didn't want to recognize. Because we all, I feel like, have some degree of confidence that, hey, how we're operating makes sense. It's easy to boost ourselves up and to judge, you know, point out all the flaws on how other people are operating. But to be able to get to a point where I truly had to accept the fact that what was good enough for me in making my own decisions, that my son and my daughter deserved a higher standard. And that's where this secret today really comes into play because I was really feeling that I could be adaptable and I was operating at a high level. But the reality is if I had a crappy habit or some way that was just not supporting 
me and bringing my best self forward for myself, then my kid was going to suffer from that limitation as well. So it's, I have to just reemphasize it again. What was good enough for me wasn't good enough for my child. And that may be true for you too. What's good enough for you right now in terms of how you're operating, or we like to describe how you're navigating this journey to help your child, it's not good enough for them. They need you to make really good decisions on their behalf. And I fought against it, but I knew ultimately that the old way of me operating wasn't going to be enough, wasn't going to work. And that goes to things like problem solving. It goes to asking for support instead of trying to do it myself. It took me years before this really solidified. That's why I want to talk about it today. And Cass and I so sincerely believe that no parent is prepared for this journey because we all get dragged into it or come into it with our habits and patterns, the mix of ones that are supportive and ones that aren't. And the ones that aren't, we can't afford to let them hold us back because that will be, in effect, holding our child back. So the stuff that we've tolerated can't be tolerated anymore. And that is at least if you truly want to be able to say that you're doing everything you can to help your child. You have to work on yourself if you really want to be able to say that with conviction, to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and absolutely say that you're doing everything you can to help your child. I have no idea how anybody can honestly say that unless they're working on themselves. And that's why we do what we do. And it's also, just because this was my, my road as well, I know I wanted to be perceived certain ways by friends and family and people I came into contact with. I wanted to be perceived as a parent who was doing what they could, a parent who was strong and confident and accepting and all those things. I wanted to be perceived a certain way. There's no question about it. I was in all about perceptions and just really being worried about how, what people thought, how people were, what they thought of my, of me, my son. And I was caught up in what people, what other people thought. And I can't say that that's totally gone away, but it's, it's a huge difference compared to where I was versus where I am. And knowing that I wanted to be perceived a certain way, when you compare that to, when I compare that to, how was I truly, deep down, was I what I was hoping to be perceived? And if there's a difference, if there's a disconnect, that's going to cause stress. And so that was the difference, the gap that I was looking at saying, okay, well, if I really want to be able to, in my body, know that I was doing everything I could, then I had to start doing work on myself. I had to start wanting to see the blind spots. I had to start becoming curious and open and not feeling like I had all the answers. I definitely fell into the trap of kind of learning what I could and then feeling like I had it all figured out and not really being open to wanting to change and being pretty combative when it came to explaining what I thought was true and dismissing the opinions of other people. So just the overall way I was navigating had more to do about my own way of wanting to be perceived versus let me just really dive in and truly try to do what's right for my child. To 
be humble, to be open, to be able to pivot and to be flexible because I knew that the decisions that Cass and I were making and my contribution to that were going to have an immediate effect on our son, our daughter. And this wasn't something to take lightly, I guess is the best way of describing it. The decisions you make as a parent matter. Now, it's easy to take that to an extreme and to get freaked out about the responsibilities of being a parent, the responsibilities of making a decision, because we don't want to do anything that hurts our kids and we also might feel a lot of weight there. So there's this balance of knowing the seriousness of it, taking it seriously, being responsible, but not letting that, that amount to a huge weight that's then keeping you stuck, keeping you in, in, in indecision. So there's a balance there for sure. So the overall point here is that once you accept this concept that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything will help you to become really more aware of where is it that you have a pattern or a habit that truly you know does not serve you. And if you feel like you can compartmentalize it and it's not going to show up in areas that you don't want it to show up, that's what I realized that I was bullshitting myself. And so that's for you to hear and entertain. Is that true for you too? So whatever it is, and I'll go through a, a list just to give you some, to share some ideas of where this applies. But if, you know, for example, you are really disorganized in terms of how you operate, in terms of having things in their right place, in terms of having clarity on actions you're taking, if you're just in a more chaotic state, well, that's absolutely going to be how you manage your child's affairs and how you manage their situation in terms of trying to find things that help. So if you're all over the place in your personal life, you'll be all over the place with them. If the car is extremely messy and things are all over the place and just left there, that has a lot to say with how you're going to approach looking at what they're doing and trying to bring order and stability into their environment. I can keep going and I know it's hard to hear, but yeah, if you have a shitty habit and something that's not working and it could be kind of just how you are and just, you know, something that you almost wear as a badge of honor, hey, that's just how I am. The only thing I'm bringing up here is, is that good enough now for your child? And I would argue that what might be a quirky, just unique, hey, this is just how I am, just take a close look at it and say, okay, well, is that something if I continue, is my child going to be held back by that? And I would argue if you're all over the place organizationally, it's really hard to have a response to support your child with their unique needs and their, whether they have behaviors or physical issues or just if they're disconnected. If you're just all over the place, how are you going to figure out what's truly going to be useful for them? If you don't have a habit of, you know, kind of really thinking through what's happening, getting clear on what's happening in order to identify where you want to go and to have the habit of setting goals that motivate you. If you're not using goals at all in your personal life, then you're not going to use them with your child as well to help hone your, your focus and to channel your energy. So that's a habit that if that's not something in your personal life, not the way you operate, is that okay for your child? Same thing with the habit of actually finishing things. If you're the kind of person 
who starts a whole bunch of things and then gets bored really quick or gets frustrated and then moves on to something else. If you're kind of scattered like that, again, you can absolutely operate that way. And I'm not in any way judging you, but recognize that that's how you operate and then say, okay, is that going to be okay for your child in terms of what they're needing from you, what you're being called to do? So I know I have a habit of overthinking things, of sitting on that fence forever before making a decision. That was kind of a pretty big way that I operated, waiting to be sure before taking an action. And oh boy, once autism came into the picture and the urgency that we were facing to try to help our son as much as we could, that had to change for me. So I had to become more decisive. And when I say had, the opportunity was for me to become more decisive. It's always my choice. And whereas for me, myself, I was okay sitting in maybe and, and being, you know, waiting for things to be perfect. But with what was happening with our son, I couldn't do that to him. So we needed to start getting more informed, making more decisions that were right for him and not sitting on the fence. So that was absolutely something that changed for me, as did the whole way that I dealt with doctors and my, for my own, you know, with routine checkups or if I went to a doctor for any kind of issue. I had the habit of just complying with whatever they were saying to do. So I would tell them what was going on. If they recommended a medication or recommended I do X, Y, and Z, I didn't have thoughtful discussions with them about it. I didn't debate them back and forth. I didn't say, okay, thanks for the opinion. Now I'm going to do a bunch of research. I pretty much complied because they were the authority and they, you know, I was paying them and I was going there for their recommendations. And uh, so I just complied with whatever they recommended, whatever. The status quo was whatever the normal process or normal protocols were. And I didn't question much, like maybe a few questions here and there, just to have a dialogue. But I largely complied. And what our son taught us was that for him, the standard way of doing things actually made things worse for him. So our hand was forced that, oh, now we have to actually ask questions. Now we absolutely have to choose what's right. That was more important than complying. And so in our situation, his unique situation, it required us just to operate differently. And so again, that's just yet another example of a habit that at least I had that had to change. And, you know, this can go on and on and on, but whether it's the habit of making informed decisions, whether it's the habit of deferring to authority and whether it's the habit of needing to have people's permission to take some action. Those are all a few that had to go out the window for us, for me specifically, and Cass and I were both on board. And, you know, so I would just offer that this secret, that how you do one thing is how you do everything, is worth contemplating and seeing how this might apply to you. The power in this is that you can change your patterns that the habits you have can be changed with greater awareness and with an intention. And what this means to you and how you can apply, it's totally up to you. The examples I gave are my examples, but know that how you do one thing is how you do everything. A mentor of mine, uh, Mastin Kip, in one of the programs I took with him, he's the one who really made this clear for me. And if you're phoning it in in your career and your job, you're going to do the same thing for your child. 
if you're wildly inconsistent and leaving those things unfinished, or if you don't even clean up after yourself in terms of your own house, if you're always avoiding those hard conversations with bosses and coworkers or families and friends, then you know what will make what makes you think you're going to be different? What makes you think that if that's the way you operate in your personal life, that you're going to have hard conversations with doctors or hard conversations with therapists who's, who are working with your child or teachers? So it is true. I wish it wasn't true, but it is true. And with that awareness of this key insight, look at your own way of operating and then decide what is it that you'd like to change? Because the fantastic thing is you can change how you're operating with intention, with true intention and some effort, not as much effort as you may think. It really is a truth. And that's why I thought this is worth going a bit deeper on to provide you with this opportunity of self-reflection, self-evaluation of how you're operating. And to whatever extent this can be applied, again, only makes you stronger, more capable for yourself in terms of how you're operating, as well as for your child. So how do you implement this? Just recognize this truth. How you operate is going to show up everywhere. And how do you change it is by looking at it and then choosing to cultivate a new habit and operate differently little by little over time. The book Atomic Habits by James Clear is a great way to get more detailed understanding of habits and how they work and how you can actually do this. Uh, But otherwise, today, I just wanted to go into that one concept and the takeaway is for you to really embrace this truth and to then, with curiosity, explore how can you change your operating system your habits for the benefit of your child. Want to learn how to avoid the 33 mistakes most autism parents make? Get your free training today. Visit autismparentingsecrets.com slash unstoppable.